0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick Podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take out your copy of God's Word and go to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and as you're uh, turning there, but uh, can we just give another hand clap of praise for our Lord and Savior this morning and uh, the worship that we have experienced this morning. Can we just do that? Amen. Thank you, music ministry, for leading us in worship. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, as, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're back in our sermon series on this book of Ecclesiastes, and um, we are going to finish this here in about uh, four weeks, cross your fingers, hope to die, amen. Amen. Uh, but uh, coming up in the month of May, we have several things coming up up, up in the month of May that we will um, recognize. We have Mother's Day coming up. We have uh, high school senior recognition Sunday, and then we have Memorial Day. Um, so we want to finish Ecclesiastes before then, and then I want to let you know um, in the summer, starting in June, we'll be starting our summer sermon series, and we're calling it Summer Love. Anybody ever had a summer love before? Summer love and what we're going to be looking at how to uh, love like Jesus. Boy, our world needs to hear that today. How do we love like Jesus? And so that's what we're going to look at in uh, the summer months. But until then, we have four chapters um, to make it through the book of Ecclesiastes. And so um, uh, for for those who who are joining in this series late, and of course we've missed the past two weeks due to, to Easter, let me set the scene for you again when it comes to the book of Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we're told who the author is of this book, and the author is, that we know, is Solomon. Um, in our text, he's known as the teacher, uh, the preacher, or, or Koheleth is the Hebrew word for it. And so um, uh, Solomon, the teacher, the preacher, the Koheleth, he, he calls together an assembly, and the Hebrew and Greek words come together to, to make the word Ecclesia. Ecclesia is what is called the church, but that's also where we get our… our uh, uh, book Ecclesiastes from, so you get in this picture that Solomon, who's known as the wisest man to ever live, he calls the people together. He calls an assembly together, and scholars believe this to be, he's called together young men who are trying to make it in in this world, they're trying to raise a family, but they're trying to make a name for themselves, all trying to live for God, and so he calls this assembly together, and he sits these guys down, these these men, this assembly, and he says, let me tell you the meaning of of life, in chapter one, Solomon uh, says that if you try to find meaning under the sun, which is a phrase often used in this book, under the sun means life without God. Solomon says if you if you try to find meaning in this life under the sun, he says it is vanity. All is vanity. All is meaningless. It's it's futile. In chapter 2, Solomon begins his search, and he tells this assembly what his search was like. And Solomon says, I went on a search to find meaning under the sun. And he says in chapter 2, I tried women, I tried wine, I tried work, and I couldn't find any satisfaction. In chapter 3, Solomon says this, that uh, that there is a time for everything, a time to be born, there's a time to die, but but it is God who sets the eternity in the hearts of man. Meaning this, that mankind, all of mankind, they are asking the question, why? What's beyond the sun? In chapter 4, Solomon describes a a bad bad world he talks about oppression he talks about politics he talks about bad relationships and in chapter 4 Solomon is depressed he has tried finding satisfaction in the ways of the world and he is depressed he matter of fact he says this: I hate my work anybody been there before I have Solomon. In chapter four, he was that he hated it. Well, in chapters five, six, seven, and eight, he starts talking about how our attitude can make a difference. He says the attitude you bring to worship makes a difference. Your attitude on how you handle finances, your attitude on how you uh, handle relationships, how you handle those in uh, authority, it all makes a difference. And so, finally, here in chapter nine, we finally make a turn in this book. In chapter nine, uh, Solomon is going to give a review of the previous eight chapters, and he comes to a conclusion. So, for the remainder of this book, chapter 9, 10, 11, and 12, we have a conclusion. Solomon is going to tell the assembly, this is the meaning of life. And in chapter 9, he tells us this. He says this, that you and I, we need to enjoy life to the fullest. He's going to tell us, enjoy life. You can put it another way. He's going to tell us, have a blast while you last. Isn't that good? That's what he's going to say. Have a blast while you last. This morning as I was uh, going over my notes, and I, uh, this morning I read all the book of Ecclesiastes again, just, just making sure that I'm, I'm still in tune with what Scripture says. And I couldn't help but think of two songs this morning. Uh, number one was a song by... Some of you are going to know this, some of you don't know this one, um, but by a guy named Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the first acapella song to make number one on the charts. Can you believe that? Don't worry, be happy. This is what I'm thinking about as I read Ecclesiastes, on, don't worry, be happy. And then another one, a little bit more, uh, a newer song, uh, a couple years older, but uh, newer than Don't Worry, Be Happy, Pharrell Williams' song. Happy from everybody's favorite movie, Despicable Me, too. Amen? Amen. This is all I'm thinking about as I read this. This is Saul in the saying, Listen, uh, here's a key to life enjoy it, enjoy life, have a good time, have a blast while you last. That's what he's going to tell us. Now, let me say this to get things started because. When I talk about being happy, and I'm probably going to make some people mad on this, and so I'll ask for forgiveness later. He is not referencing Joel Osteen's, your best life now. Are you with me? It's not what he's talking about. But yet he's still saying, I want you to enjoy life. And he's going to give us several ways that we can enjoy life. Here's the first. I want you to write this down as we kick off uh, chapter 9. Write this down. You and I can have a blast while we last. We can be happy. We can don't worry, be happy when this, when we first acknowledge that our lives are in God's hands. If you want to enjoy life, now listen, some of you may not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ here this morning, and you're searching for meaning, and you're searching for fun, you're searching for pleasure. Here's what God tells us. Through Solomon, you cannot enjoy life until you first acknowledge that there is a personal God who is interested in you and that you understand that your life is in his hands. Look with me in verse number one and let's read our text. Verse one says, Solomon's writing, for I have taken all this to my heart, meaning I've looked at this, I've tried it. Now, here's my conclusion. For I have taken all this to my heart and explained it to the right that the righteous men, the wise men, and their deeds are in, what's that phrase? The hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or whether it will be hatred, but anything awaits him. Um, I want you to notice that phrase, the hand of God. That is, that is known as an anthropomorphism. I'm sure you use that word every day in your conversations, right? That's an anthropomorphism, which means this. It means you give physical attributes to a to a a a, a a a being that does not have a body or does not that is that is invisible, if you will. For example, when you say that God has hands, you're given a that God is not a physical being. Obviously, He was a physical being in Jesus Christ, but God Himself was not a, is not a physical being. So when you say God has hands or God has ears or God has eyes or God has a mouth, you're giving an invisible being a physical characteristic trait. And so when Solomon says that, that you are in the hand of God, theologians call this, this is the doctrine of providence. Meaning that you and I as, as believers and, and, and really all of the world, we are in God's hands, And if you want to enjoy life to the fullest, the first thing that you need to understand, this is what Solomon is saying to all of these young men who are trying to make a name for themselves, listen, you won't find enjoyment, you won't find fulfillment, you won't find pleasure until you first acknowledge that there is a personal God and that he is in control of all things. And you look at the rest of scripture and that is confirmed. Uh, Multiple times in Scripture, we read this. Acts chapter 17, we read this. In him, God, we move and have our being. In Colossians 1, 17, it says this. In him, referencing Jesus Christ, God the Father. In him, uh, we, all things are held together. In Proverbs chapter 16, we read these words. In man's heart, uh, he plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In Psalm 115, it says this. Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. Uh, one of um, the authors and theologians that, that I enjoy to read um, is the late R.C. Sproul. Some of you have read some of his writings before, but R.C. Sproul said this about the doctrine of providence, and I think it's wonderful. He says this, God doesn't roll the dice with your life. Isn't that good? God is not rolling dice with your life saying, well, I hope this works out or I'm not sure what that's going to look like. No, 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 no. With the doctrine of providence, meaning that we are in God's hands, here's what this means. It means that God is in control of your life. And if you want to find fulfillment, And if you want to enjoy life to the fullest, it begins with you acknowledging that there is a personal God. He wants an intimate relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he raised from the dead. Once you acknowledge that and you are in his hands, fulfillment is going to come your way. This this past week. It might have been two weeks ago. I can't remember exactly. But um, I, I, I went for a walk around uh, my neighborhood. And um, I didn't take my phone with me to, to listen to music, which is what I typically do when I walk or when I run. But I just wanted to listen to the Lord. I just wanted to listen. I just wanted to, to see creation. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to hear from uh, the Lord. Because uh, you know, over the past couple of weeks, I would just been filled with some anxiety. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I was just... Man, I was just, just kind of my spirit was just wrestling and I was just wrestling with and saying, Lord, I, I just, God, I just need you and I just want to hear from you. So I just, I just went for a walk and I just wanted to hear from, from the Lord. And as I'm walking and I'm looking at the trees, listening to the birds, I, I can hear out in the distance. I can hear, I can hear some music but I can't quite tell what it is, but I know that it's getting closer and closer. So I keep walking the music is getting closer then all of a sudden it clicks on me I know what the sound is it's an ice cream truck <laughs> I'm going yes this is great so I, you know I kind of make my way where I think the ice cream truck is coming but I still I still can't pick out the song that the ice cream truck is playing, but I know it, I hear it, and I'm getting closer, and I I see the ice cream truck coming, and and all of a sudden, I get the song. It's the children's song, and you know it. He's got the whole world in his hands. Isn't that good? He's got the whole world, sing it, in his hands, he's got the whole world, in his hands, he's got the whole world, in his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Isn't that good? So listen, in the midst of my anxiety, listen, because some of you may be going through this. In the midst of my own personal anxiety that I'm wrestling with, that I don't understand, God, what's going on? God, I don't fully understand but I need you. In the midst of it, God uses an ice cream truck to remind me of the doctrine of providence. He's got me. He's got you. He's got you in his hands. So do you know what I did after... Well, I stopped walking when I saw that ice cream truck coming. And I went over there, and I bought the biggest ice cream cone you can ever imagine. It was so good. So good. But listen, today you may be filled with anxiety. You may be looking for that fulfillment. You may be looking for, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on in my life. Here's what Solomon says. He says, listen, acknowledge that there is a God. Quit running away from the fact that there is a personal, intimate creator of the universe who so desperately wants to be in a relationship with you. He says, acknowledge that and that you know that you are in his hands. Well, look at verses 2 through 6. Now Solomon is going to say this. You want to be happy? You want to enjoy life? He's going to tell us in verses 2 through 6, he's going to tell us this. Then you choose to live You acknowledge that there's a creator, that you're in his hands, and then you need to do this. You want to enjoy life. You choose to live. Choose life. Look at verse number two. Watch what Solomon says. He says this, it is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous, and there's one as for the wicked, for the good, for the, for the clean and the unclean, for the person who offers a sacrifice, and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good person is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. Stop right there for just a second. Real quick, funny story. Yesterday, um, my wife and I were with some friends, and we sat next to a swearer. A loud swearer. I mean, every word was foul and filthy. And finally, I looked over to him. I said, please watch your language. Do you know what he did to me? He said, oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I went, God is so good. verse 3. This is an evil that and all that is done under the sun that there's one fate for everyone. This is what saw, this has been the theme of Ecclesiastes. That you and I need to come to understand that you are going to die. Isn't that right? Death is 100%. For the swearer and for those who don't swear. Guess what? You both going to die. This is what Solomon is saying to us. He says, but this is, this is an evil that's under the sun. There's one fate for everyone. Furthermore, read this, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives, and afterward they go to the dead. What is Solomon saying? He's saying this, that, listen, life has gone crazy. Would anybody agree with that statement? Life has gone crazy. Crazy, he says. He says, "Listen, the righteous and the wicked—they are both going to die." My family and I—we watched um, a, a really, really good movie um, from Disney. It several, several months ago. The movie was *The Queen of Katwe*. Anybody seen that movie? Good. I'll spoil it for you. Fantastic. <laughs> It's a true story uh, based upon a, um, a young girl whose name is Fiona. She grew up in the slums of Kampala, Uganda. Uh, poor, destitute, uh, just no chance for a life. Does that, does that make sense? But in the movie, she comes across a teacher who wants to invest in her life and others from the slum. And the teacher teaches them how to play Chess. And so he teaches her how to play chess and to spoil the story for you. She becomes one of the world's greatest chess players. It's a fantastic movie. And through this, it gives her hope. But but in the movie, um, as you see all the chess pieces that are being played, and and I don't know a lot about chess. That's for smart people. I'm not in that category. I'm more of a checkers guy. Anybody with me? I I don't fully understand chess, but I I do know this, that different pieces have different names, have different powers, have different authority, and can move in certain directions. Does that make sense? The king, the queen, the the pawn, the the knight, all of them have different responsibilities and different powers and and whatnot. but, But at the end of the game of chess, what happens to all of those pieces? They all go to the same place. They go back in the box. Are you with me? They go back in the box. And Solomon is saying, he says, listen, you need to understand that if you want to enjoy life, you need to maintain your death in view. That we do not need to run away with it. This is one of the things that our Western culture, that I think we have missed it. We have missed it by the fact that we try to run away from death as fast as possible. Are, Are you with me? We try to run away from it, but what's interesting in running away from the death, so many times we choose death. Are you with me? So many times we choose death, but Solomon says, no, listen. Listen, you need to choose life. Choose choose to live. You're going to die soon. That's going to happen, but in that meantime, choose to live. He says, yes, you're going to live in a mad, bad, sad world. That's the reality. But in that reality, choose life. Choose to live. And Solomon's going to remind us, and and I think we all need to be reminded of this that that we live in a world where it doesn't matter who's in charge, whether it's a Republican, a a, a Democrat, an elephant, or a donkey, it doesn't matter who's in charge. You will never get rid of the evil in this world, it's not going to happen. Does that pain me? Yes. I don't like that. But the reality is we live in a world where child or children abuse is going to take place. Is that wrong? Absolutely that's wrong. Do those who abuse children need to be punished? Absolutely. And they need to be punished immediately. But we live in a world where that takes place. We live in a world where, where, where spouses cheat on spouses. We live in a world where where people stab each other in the back. We live in a world where where racism exists, whether we like that or not, and we live in a world where people want to make you think that racism exists more than it does exist. Are you with me? I can't say that again, okay? I mean, we live in a world—listen, we live in a world where a pastor, a reverend, can run for a political office and win that office— And then post on a tweet that all we have to do is come together because mankind can save itself. And then delete the tweet and act like it's never happened before. That's the world we live in. Are you with me? I don't like it when pastors give other pastors a bad name. You're stepping on my territory now. Stop it in the name of Jesus. But that's the reality. Are you with me? I don't like it, I hate it, it's terrible, but it's the reality. And Solomon says this, he says, mankind is full of evil and insanity. You all know what insanity means, right? Doing the same thing over and over again expecting what? Is that not the world? Is that not the world? That's your life without Jesus Christ, by the way. It's insanity where you try something over and over again to try to find only what Jesus Christ can offer you. And Solomon says, that's mankind. That's the reality. It's it's been said that if you were to take all of the money from all the wars in all of history of mankind, and you would turn it into gold, that piece of gold would be 30 feet wide, five feet high, and would circle the world two and a half times. We live in a mad, mad, mad world. Amen? And here's what Solomon says. And you can't do anything about that. That's why he says in verse 1, acknowledge that there is a God and he's in control. Because we live in a bad, bad world. There was one one scholar who said this. I thought, thought this was great. He says, on the front page of every history book, we should write these words of Jesus Christ of Nazarene. We should write of Nazareth. We should write these words. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Isn't that good? That's our world. So how do we live in a fallen world but at the same time still believe in the providence of God? Solomon's going to tell us. He's going to tell us you live. You enjoy life. God's the one who gave it to you. Look at verse number four. For whoever is joined to all the living, there is hope. Meaning, if you're alive, that's a good thing. Look at the next line. Surely a live dog is better than a dead lion. Out in the margin of your Bible, write in capital letters, what? (laughs) A a live dog is better than a dead lion? What, What does that mean? Well, this is what it means. I mean, you just have to go back into context. What does this mean? A lion is known as the king of the jungle, right? Powerful, predator. This is king of the jungle, majestic. Dogs were looked down upon in Solomon's context as despised scavengers. Dogs are not man's best friend like they are today. If I could rewrite this, I would say this. Surely a live cat is better than a dead lion. (laughs) That's what I would say. I hate cats. That's the meaning. (laughs) So what is Solomon saying? He's saying this. He's saying, a despised dog that is alive is better than a majestic dead lion. Are you with me? To be alive is better than being dead. Write that one down. Verse 5, for the living know that they will die. That's right. Keep death in front of you. But the dead don't know anything, nor have they any longer a reward for their memory is forgotten. Indeed, their love. He's talking about the dead. Their love, their hate, their zeal, it's perished and they will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun. Solomon is saying, choose life, choose to live. He's saying it is much, much better to be alive than to be dead. This reminds me of a a statement that Brooke Shields said many years ago, famous actress and model. She said this, smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. Hmm. Yeah. It's good. That's good. But here's what Solomon is saying. He's saying just because you're living in a bad, bad, mad, mad, sad, sad world, he says this, don't give up. He says don't give up. Do not give in to despair. Don't do it. Just because our world has gone crazy, it doesn't mean that we should that we should be that we should feel hopeless. Just because the world has gone crazy, we don't stop enjoying life. We don't stop enjoying life. As a matter of fact, Solomon says the different. He says the opposite. He says even though you live in a mad, bad world, you still choose to live, enjoy the life that God has given you. Because while you're alive, you have the ability to change. You see, once you die, you have no ability to change. Once you die, the writer of Hebrews says this, then comes the judgment. Because once you've passed, you don't have another opportunity to change. The time to change is now. And today, choose life. Acknowledge that God is a personal God who loves you, who wants to be intimately acquainted with you. He has all things under his control, and then enjoy the life that he's given you. One one of my favorite things about Christmas is, is, is Christmas movies. I think that's pretty fair for all of us right? Um, Probably one of the most famous movies and books is A Christmas Carol. Remember that? Written by Charles Dickens. Uh, And it tells the story of everybody's favorite Christmas guy, right? Ebenezer, an awful man, right? An awful man, cheap, wanted to keep everything himself, he despised mankind, especially his his, uh, employee, what was his name? Exactly, I don't know what it is either, but uh, <laughs> that guy—he didn't like that guy. He was cheap to him. But do you remember? Do you remember the story? Um, something happens to Ebenezer Scrooge. He's visited by three ghosts. You remember this? Ghosts of Christmas Present, or um, uh, uh, past, present, and Christmas future. Do you remember when the ghost of Christmas future came to him? He he takes Scrooge and he shows him. His death. You remember? He shows Scrooge his death, and then ghost of Christmas Future then shows how everybody's responding to Scrooge's death, and they're celebrating his death. Do you remember? And he shows uh, the ones who are burying Scrooge, and they're taking his possessions, and they're rejoicing that the fact that this man is gone. Scares Scrooge, and Scrooge then immediately runs off to, to Father Christmas and he says, This are these the things that may come or must come? Meaning, what was he saying? Can, can, can I change? Right? Can, 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 I, can, can I change? Solomon's answer to Ebenezer Scrooge's question is, Yes, you can, but only while you're alive. And Scrooge, at the end of that book, A Christmas Carol, you read these words. Scrooge was one who did Christmas well because he changed. Do you get it? Solomon says, you want to enjoy life? You choose life. You choose life. let Let me get pretty serious here for just a moment. There may be some people here today, you may be watching or listening, that you struggle with depression or suicide. If that's you, I want you to know that you're not alone in your struggle. You're not walking through this life all by yourself. For those of you who struggle with depression, know this. There is a way out. But it's not by continually walking by yourself. It's you coming along beside somebody and other people coming along beside you and you're pouring into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you maybe have thoughts of suicide. I know this is a crazy subject. Some of you parents are probably mad at me they haven't said that word. So be it. For those of you who struggle with this, I want to let you know something. I'm, and, and take, please, hear me out. Suicide is a permanent problem. Excuse me, is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's permanent. Solomon here says, "Choose life. Choose to be alive. Choose life. Choose to live. Choose to live because." Because you can change. And the reason you can change is because of what we celebrated last Sunday, and because of what we sang this morning, because Jesus rose from the dead, you can change through the power of Jesus Christ. Choose life. Choose to live. Choose life. You have so much to offer. You have so much to give to this world. God created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows you very well. He has a plan for you, a plan to give you a hope, a future, and a promise not to harm you. So choose life. And if you're here this morning, you're watching, if you, if you need help, just text the words First welcome" to 84576 and write the words NEED HELP. And I promise you, we will reach out to you and we want to offer you hope. Amen? You want to find fulfillment, you, you enjoy life. Well, look at verses 7 through 10. Actually, we're just going to make it through 7 through 9 uh, because uh, we're almost done. Everybody says, hurry up, pastor. <laughs> verses 7 through 9, Solomon's going to tell us what to do in a messed up crazy world and how we can enjoy life. And He says this, you can enjoy life when you spend time with others. Enjoy being around others. Look at verse number 7. And Solomon writes, and he's written this before, but now he says, Go then, eat your bread in, what's that word? Happiness. And drink your wine. Southern Baptist, that's slang for sweet tea. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) So mark that out and write sweet tea. Eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a what? Cheerful heart. Be happy. Don't worry. He's got the whole world in his hands. Choose life. Enjoy it. Why? God has already approved your works. Is Solomon telling us that we need to bury our heads in the sand amidst all of the troubles in this world? Is he telling us that we need to dull um, our, uh, our pain with pleasure? No, because that's not what the rest of Scripture says, right? Scripture is always consistent with Scripture. So what is Solomon talking about? He's saying the same thing he's already said in the previous eight chapters. He's telling us this, enjoy your friends. Enjoy hanging out with your buddies, Eat a good meal and order dessert every time you go out. That's what he's saying. You know why you need to order dessert when you go out to eat? You're going to die anyways. Enjoy it. That's what he's saying. He says, just just go enjoy it. Just enjoy life. Choose life. God's in control. Choose life. Be with the people who are close to you. Don't worry that, that you, maybe you lost your job yesterday and you don't know what's coming tomorrow. Don't worry about that. Jesus Christ himself said this, tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Isn't that right? Jesus says, all you have is today. And so right now at this moment, right now today, God says, you enjoy the moment. Man, I'm so thankful for that phrase because you know what? It's Master's Week. Amen? You know what that means? Enjoy the moment. Wives, listen to your men at this moment, I promise you. Any men out there in agreement with that? Uh-oh. God says, you, you, you enjoy it. You enjoy it. I think we'd all be in agreement that too many times we as Christians, we walk, we walk around with frowns on our faces. Does that make sense? We walk around like this is the dumps that we're living in. Howard Hendricks, who is the late former professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, he said this. I thought it was great. He said this, most Christians, most Christians' faces would make a great cover for the book of Lamentations. (laughs) I think that's good. I I mean, and and I think he's right. And, And what Solomon's saying is, he's saying, believer, it's okay to have a good time. It's okay to have a good time. Yes, the world has gone crazy, but you can still have a good time. By the way, do you know what the word Eden, from the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, do you know what the word Eden means? The word Eden is the Hebrew word for delight. So when God created man and woman, he put them in the Garden of Delight. Isn't that good? He gave them trees that were beautiful to the eye. It was wonderful to the taste of the lips. In the garden, God gave man a woman. He gave woman to a man, and it was wonderful. Listen, one of the reasons that God created the world was for our enjoyment, believers for our enjoyment. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, he says this, everything created by God is good. The psalmist writes in Psalm 1611, it says in God's presence there is the fullness of joy. In God's right hand, there is pleasures forever. So believer, let me ask you this question. What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? What brings you joy? There's several things that that, that I enjoy. I enjoy to play golf. I enjoy reading a good book. I enjoy spending time with family. I enjoy coming to church, Amen. Some of you don't. (laughs) What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? Look at verse number eight. We're almost done. We're almost done. Look at verse number eight. Solomon says, let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. What does that mean? In context, in the Jewish culture, it meant this. Verse eight meant this. It's party time. That's what it meant. Because in Jewish culture, when you went to a party, you had white clothes on and you put smell-good stuff on. That's what it meant. So, so Solomon says, man, it, 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 it's enjoy life, choose life, choose to live, enjoy it, spend time with other people. It's party time, which means this, put on good clothes. Put on good clothes. Put on, put on some, some good-smelling stuff. He says, enjoy the life that God has given you. Dress well and smell even better is what Solomon is saying. He says, we... This is what God's given us. We've got one chance to do this. Yes, we've got eternity to come. Yes, eternity is going to be great, but this is what God has given us to enjoy. Verse number 9, enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given you under the sun. This is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Solomon says in this crazy world, he says this, you enjoy your family. Church, we need to listen to that. You enjoy your family. He says, men, enjoy your wife. Wives, enjoy your husbands. He says, parents, enjoy your children. Children, enjoy your parents. Yeah, but pastor, they're weird. I know that. (laughs) We all know that, right? Mom's dad's in that, right? And we're proud of it. We're weird. Enjoy it. Yeah, but my dad makes dumb jokes. I know. It's awesome. (laughs) It's great. Enjoy it. Someone says, in this world, you enjoy the people that God has given you. Well, I think that's great counsel for our world today. Amen? Because what's under attack? The family. The biblical family is under attack. The doctrine of man is under attack. What it means to be a man, listen, if you are a male in this culture day, you are being you're being blasted. Amen? Yep. We're being blasted. Women. You're being told things that 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 you're under attack for being a female. children, our world is trying to give you more responsibility that you don't have the mind to make the right decision. That's not an insult to you. That's, your, your brain is just not functioning correctly. That's, that's just the way God made you. We've all gone through that. But the family is under attack. The biblical model, the biblical model of the family, which is this, listen, one man, one woman, children. Amen? That's the biblical model. You can disagree with that. If you disagree with me on that, I'll say that's fine. Let's go back to the Bible. Let's let the Bible tell us what to believe. It's one man, one woman, children. So church, protect your family. Dads, dads, protect your children. You take care of your wife. When something goes boom in the middle of the night, don't you send your wife to go check on it. (laughs) I do, you don't. (laughs) Anybody seen the movie Bucket List? Do y'all remember that movie? Uh, Morgan Freeman and... um, jack nicholson you you remember the story um these two men uh, morgan freeman and jack i I don't remember their characters names but these two men are estranged from their families jack's character is a rich wealthy man who's hasn't talked to his daughter in years morgan middle-class working man has a family but he and his wife they're they're at they're at odds with one another but Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, they, they meet each other in the hospital because they're both, their mortality is hitting them in the face. Cancer. And they're in the same room together. And they're so they're commiserating together. And finally they come up with this idea, well, we're about to die. Before we kick the bucket, let's make our bucket list. Right? They make the bucket list and Morgan Freeman's wife says, to Morgan says, you are a fool if you go do those things. So what does Morgan do? I'm done with you. I'm going. So Jack Nicholson pays for all of this. His character pays for all of this. And so Jack and Morgan, they fill out this bucket list. They go all over the world. They travel all over the world. Taj Mahal, Mount Everest, you, 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 you name it. They go skydiving. I mean, it's, it's great. They're completing their bucket list. Well, near the end of, the, of that bucket list, Morgan Freeman's character... He freezes, and he comes to the realization that there's more to life than just sightseeing. He comes to the realization that he misses his family. And he turns to Jack, and he says, take me home. Jackson, no, no, no I'll, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll pay anything. I'll do it. He says, no, take me home because I figured life out. They go back home. And Morgan is reunited with his family, his wife, and his children. And one of the last scenes is you see Morgan and his family around the kitchen table. They're laughing, smiling, enjoying life. Then the next scene you see that Morgan Freeman has passed on. But the family has a smile on their face. Camera pans out and goes to Jack, who who leaves the funeral of of his friend, and it sees him with flowers in hand walking to his daughter's house to be reunited with his family. Solomon says, Enjoy your family. Spend time with them. Talk about scripture when you sit down at the table. You talk about Jesus. You talk about the gospel. You ask them how your day is doing. Now, I wish I could say I do this every single day. I don't. But I know what my goal is. I know that that this family that God has given me, that's what God has given me, and we need to enjoy that. Dads, men, Solomon is speaking to you today. He said the real definition of a biblical man is loving his wife well, defending her well. It's loving your children well, whether you have sons or your daughters. It means, men, men. it means you tell your sons and your daughters, I love you, and you give them a big kiss. That's what it means. It means you cry with them. It means you do things together with them. Men, this is Solomon telling you, you want to find ultimate fulfillment, you find it through spending time with your family. Why, men? Because they are your legacy. What you pour into your family, what you pour into your sons and your daughters, what you pour into your wife, they're the ones who are going to continue on. They're your legacy. So men, you don't go looking for fulfillment outside of that family. Because it is not fulfillment, it's nothing but pain. And Solomon says, enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy it. What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy? Do you hear this morning, you watching as well, you in here, do you, are you enjoying the things that God has given you? Are you enjoying them? Or do you have a heart of thankfulness? Solomon says, why not today bow your heart to the Creator? in a heart of thankfulness and say, thank you for what you have given me. I want to enjoy it to the fullest. There may be some of you here today, you're going, Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've stated it earlier, but you will not find full enjoyment in life until you first bow your knee to the Creator of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, Jesus says, I have come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you abundantly. Jesus says, I've come to give you life, I've come to give it to you to the fullest, but here's the reality, the only way that you can experience the full life is if you bow your knee to Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, and maybe you need to do that today. And maybe some of you here, you say, you know, I've never done that. Do it today. Because he died for you and he loves you. Give him your life. Give him your life. For those of you who have already made that decision, the call, the, the question is this. Will you bow your knee in thankfulness to the Father today and just bless the Lord for what he's given you? Will you do that today? so that we can enjoy life to the fullest, so that you and I can have a blast while we last. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Father, you're so good. You're so, so good. You're so good. Please forgive us for where we have failed you. Maybe a heart of ingratitude, maybe a mean, arrogant attitude, God, forgive us. This morning we simply bow our hearts to you and say thank you, in Jesus' name we pray.